0: Hello everyone, hopefully you're having and or had a wonderful day today. If you're new here, welcome. My name is Drew Joyner. I am the host of Beyond the Garment with your boy, me. Joiner, and we're a little bit late on the schedule today with the episode but we're, we're still riding we're still gonna get it in we are still gonna get it in I want to thank you guys so much if you're new for tuning in it means a lot to me um, if you're a returning listener make sure to give us a five-star review right now I am outside of the U.S. in an undisclosed area of the world near the equator I guess that that discloses a bit more information um, but I'm not in New York I'm not in Colorado doing a bit of kind of rejuvenation and relaxation but for me it's important to also stay consistent in terms of you know if i if i say i'm going to do something week by week i'm going to try my best to get it done for you guys and every week we post this or every week i post this podcast every monday and i want to stick to that and for today's episode as you can tell from the title of the episode we're going to be doing a QA. and a and i haven't done a Q&A in a very very long time. I remember when I first started YouTube. When I first got to like a thousand subscribers, one of the fir- that was one of the first videos I was so excited to make was the one thousand subscriber Q and A, and I made that video, and it didn't do like crazily good like some other Q and As do because back then I was still gaining a lot of skills when it comes to creating on YouTube. But hopefully, it's been a few years since I've done a Q&A. Hopefully, my skill set has improved and you guys enjoy the episode and enjoy everything that um, I answer from the questions you guys asked. So I have about 20 questions that I pulled from Instagram. I asked you guys to ask me questions via Instagram. If you don't follow me on Instagram, I go ahead and do that. We do weekly polls. I have questions. I got the short form content on there. If you enjoy like fashion, but a little bit more like fast and kind of lighter pace, that's what Instagram, TikToks, um, Twitters of the world, that's what they're for. While YouTube and the podcast is more like longer form, getting to know me a bit more, getting to know my mind a little bit more. And then we can do Q&As, like there's no restriction on boredom or whatever it may be. It's just you and I, whether you're in your car, whether you're walking, whether you're doing, sitting, doing art, sitting, chilling, relaxing, the sound of my voice is entering into your ear and we're just hanging out right now, okay, as as dramatic as that sounds. But I have about 20 questions for this Q&A today, 20 questions that I think are fantastic. And I know I'm kind of rambling a little bit, but Bear with me here. The twenty questions that I have, I had a lot of questions that were about content creation, and maybe one day I'll just dive into. I'll do a separate Q and A all about content creation, all about kind of like what it means to be a creator, what it means to a lot of people say, what does it mean to be an influencer? I love content creator as a term more than I like influencer, but I digress. Maybe I'll do a separate episode talking about that. If you'd like to see that, leave a five star review. Write down in the review, you would love to see that, and I'll see it, and um, I'll definitely get some feedback on that. For the first question of the Q&A, this is by Ezekiel Valdez. It reads, what got you into fashion and trying new things that you wouldn't do? So Ezekiel, if you don't know, you know my story a little bit, um, I tell this a lot to people, and I, I mean, obviously, I'm going to tell it right now again, but I grew up in Colorado, uh, born and raised in Denver. And if you don't know Colorado, if you live outside the US, it's a state that just, it has a lot of, uh, it's known for being a beautiful place, right? It has the mountains. So we have the Rocky Mountains in our backyard. A lot of people think Coloradans live in the mountains, but we live actually down, you know, in the foothills and down away from the mountains. And then you can see the mountains in the distance. That was kind of my experience. I would wake up, I would always see the mountains, I would see their beauty I visited the mountains. Um, I wouldn't say I was a mountain kid because I lived in a city. Um, but the mountains were a big like vantage point in my life. And being in Colorado has really made me who I am. And there aren't a lot of people who are born in Colorado who have kind of touched so many different parts of the world, at least in my opinion. Like you don't meet a lot of people from Colorado outside of Colorado. And in fact, you have a lot of people moving into Colorado who are not You know, weren't born in Colorado, so there's not a lot of Coloradans out there. And if there are, typically you associate them with like a mountain man or a mountain woman. So in my experience, I grew up in a very, you know, normal uh, life. I, you know, both of my parents in my life, which I feel very, very fortunate to have. Um, I, I played basketball as a kid. Basketball and sports was a huge part of my upbringing because. When I was young, I wanted to be in the NBA like a lot of kids. A lot of kids, you know, when they play sports, they hear about the NBA, they see and they begin to learn about, you know, what it means to have a job and what it means to live a fulfilling life and have a career. The NBA looks like a very promising option. I'll tell you that right now. I would love to be making millions of dollars playing basketball. We all would love to be making millions of dollars doing the thing that we enjoy most, which is playing a game, right? So, um, Basketball is a huge, huge component of my life as a youth in Colorado, and one of the things that's really cool about sports is that as you play sports as a young person, you don't really recognize this until you get older, but obviously you're developing skills, teamwork, uh, hard work, work ethic, whatever it may be, but what you really are developing in, in a fashion sense, in a cultural sense, is the ability to, or not the ability to, but you're you're beginning to build Uh, a bit of an aesthetic based on the sport that you're playing, right? So if you look at sports, tennis, basketball, golf, soccer, football, American football, um, racquetball, all of these sports, chess, all of these sports and games have varying aesthetics to them. And basketball definitely has one, right? Uh, Whether it be like Nike Tech fleeces in the current modern day, back when I was a kid, like, kids loved and we loved nike elite socks and we loved kobe's which is the particular model of shoes and nike's and now people like you know steph curry's shoes and all these things so like there's all these products associated with uh the sport of basketball the 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 game of basketball right so what got me into bat or what what got me into fashion i would say is my kind of like undying and very like focused passion On basketball, right? Which I I love that. I feel like that. I love the fact that that's a part of my kind of story arc because that's what got me into it, right? Like, I would see kids in high school. I would be a freshman in high school and I would, I was playing junior varsity at the time. And sometimes I swung up to varsity. I would be, you know, at the games where my team was playing. And we, we had some talented basketball players in Colorado, not as talented as places like Texas or California or, um, Atlanta or Georgia or something like that but it doesn't matter. Um I'd be at the games and there would be some very talented kids who, you know, they had a certain swagger to them, right? They had a certain attitude about themselves. And it that attitude translated to what they would wear and I would sit and I would say, "Okay, like this player, he's going to he's going to Gonzaga next year. He's going to University of Colorado next year." This is what he's wearing right now as a high schooler, as a senior in high school. And I would want to try to imitate that look because he was like, the he was big man on campus. He was big guy. He was the guy who was going division one. So that is where kind of, I got my first inclination for style. This is a very long answer. Hopefully it's interesting to some of you. Um, it's a very long answer. This is kind of where I got my interest in fashion started with a lot with basketball sneakers and caring about basketball sneakers. I remember some of my favorites, like even as cliche as it was, I was a, I was a young kid. I didn't have a lot of money, but I would get one pair of basketball shoes maybe every year, a year and a half, depending on if they tore up or not, but they would be like the Nike Hyperdunks. I uh, went through many versions of the Hyperdunks. um, went through like many, even cheap outlet Nike zoom five. I don't even know the name of the shoe, but like these like low top, they were like the bootleg Nike Kobe's. So that kind of stuff was was really popular for me, and it kind of built my aesthetic value as an athlete, you know. In the school, people, I would walk around, and there goes Drew. He's gonna play basketball. He he's a, he he's a kid who plays basketball, right? Um, and there was a lot of Nike products at the time. Actually, a lot of Nike Elite products, Team USA products, uh, travel products, and when I when I played basketball AAU, which is a we don't have to get into all that, but um you know some of my teams were under armour some of my teams were adidas and it was it was a lot of fun being able to kind of experience the products and the aesthetic of being an athlete and that's really what turned me on to shoes off the court as well and just like with anything you begin begin to build interest in something so as you begin as i began to build interest in in basketball shoes and the clothes of being an athlete the clothes of being a basketballer uh it kind of snowballed like i wanted to you know, experienced clothing that also looked good as a basketballer but wasn't just the same as everyone else because I wanted to stand out. I didn't want to have the same thing as 12 of or 10 of my other teammates walking into a gym getting ready to play. I wanted to have a, just a slight variation, whether it was like a little – sticker on my bag, or whether it was, like, having a particular hat on, or um, having uh, different laces for my sneakers, all these kind of small things, but, like, looking back at them, these are the same things I do now when it comes to, like, styling aspects of my personal style, like, having the keychain hang off my, my denim, like, even though people judge me for that as being a bit weird, like, I feel like, for me, it's everyone, you know, anyone can get a pair of Japanese denim if they have the means to afford it of course not just anyone that that sounds a little bit brash but um but for me like i like being able to have a little differentiation with my pair of pants and you can differentiate by how you wear them the accessories you use um how how they fade that's a different story but that is how i got into fashion it was through basketball and then it kind of snowballed from there and sneaker culture was big for me and then I started getting into brands like Emily Leon d'Or in twenty sixteen, twenty seventeen and I was like, Oh, this is so cool. This is not just Supreme. Um and then from there I just kind of continued to snowball and once I told myself and and started to look at fashion as something other than something I do passively, started creating about fashion, that is when I really took things to another level when it comes to Getting into the genre, the art form of styling and fashion. Oof, that was a lot of rambling. Let's do a quick little shout out. Becca from Brazil wanted me to give a quick shout out to Brazil. So shout out to all my Brazilians and all the people who listen, watch, and support from Brazil. I appreciate you so, so much. Um, I don't know any Portuguese. Um, but... I know that you guys speak beautiful Portuguese. Portuguese is one of my favorite like favorite languages to listen to in terms of listening to music, and it's so beautiful. Um, but anyways, shout out to all of the Brazilians. That'll be the second question completed for the Q&A. Okay, we have a couple of food questions that I want to address because obviously I live in New York City now, and I've had, oof, it's been three, no, wow, it's been three or four months I don't even know if I moved to New York, September 1st. So we have October, November, December. So it's been three months in New York city now, um, even though I'm not there right now. So I've had a bit of time, the best pizza in New York, I would say the best pizza that I've had in New York is it's a very tough question because I feel like there's so many different versions of pizza. Um, but I would still go with Prince Street. I said Prince Street before I moved to New York City. There's always a massive line in Soho for Prince Street Pizza, and I think rightfully so. The pizza smacks. My favorite pizza is Prince Street, is as basic as it sounds. That's just what I like. And I mean, there's some other ones that are local to where I live in New York, but um, that are that are really good. That are in my mind, but I can't uh, I can't divulge on them just yet because. I like privacy. (laughs) So Prince Tree is my spot. My guy, Nick asked me pasta or pizza. I'm much more a pizza guy than a pasta guy. I love pizza. In fact, pizza is one of my top like five foods to eat. Pasta is good. I mean, food is just delicious when you're hungry. Food is good. But pizza, like I could always go for a slice of pizza. I love pizza. It's simple bread, cheese, sauce. You just can't go wrong. It typically doesn't upset your stomach. I mean, I used to think I was lactose intolerant, but I I ate so much pizza that that shit went away. I'm not gonna lie to you. That just went away. <laughs> I'm sorry for for the language if that's if that bothers you, but I'm more of a pizza guy than a pasta guy. One of the questions that I really liked that I've never actually answered before is, what is your EDC, which just stands for everyday carry? And I've actually tuned into a couple of these types of videos on YouTube and things like that. And I've always thought, you know, this is cool. Like there's a lot of people who have really interesting kind of like gadgets and things that they wear for every single day. But for me, I'll kind of give you my EDC, okay? So I'm closing my eyes right now, I'm gonna I'm imagining what I bring out, when you know, when I'm going, doing things, um, I would say that, you know, if, like, it, it varies, so this is what I do 90% of the time, right, so 90% of the time, obviously, I have something, a simple, basic, we'll start with the boring stuff, I have my wallet, I have a really cool wallet, actually, it, it's a Beams Plus wallet, it's cool, but it's kind of, like, quality isn't as good as I feel like it should be for what its cost is, but it's a Beams Plus wallet in collaboration with, forget the collaborator, this like kind of like punk rock uh, institution, jewelry institution. You know how like there's like, like men's jewelry is like very like motorcycles and men. It's like one of those brands. So bring my wallet with me. And I have my house keys, which have multiple different key sets on them for multiple different functions. Also, I have an air tag on those just in case I ever drop them. I can always find out where those are at, which I feel like, I don't know, air tags for me. I use air tags for a lot of things just to keep track of things that maybe I would otherwise have lost if I didn't have an air tag for my keys, I used to, or when I first went to New York, I kind of wanted to try having my keys clipped onto my waist belt, but I found that, you know, I wanted to get a cool little carabiner, whatever it was, but I didn't really find any that I liked, and I wanted a simple one, so I went to, in fact, this is kind of like a, a side story. I was looking to get a carabiner in New York City when we first moved there. The first two weeks, I was like, I have my keys, I have a keychain, like I want to clip it onto my, waist belt because I don't want to have to put it in my pocket because I have an air tag whatever and I I literally could not find a retailer that had a interesting not just a basic but an interesting looking carabiner with a carabiner in stock they were literally all gone I went to REI uh, I checked at a local shop I checked at like like further down and a different local shop all gone and I, I didn't have time to just do a carabiner hunt all Freaking day, so I kind of just settled on a couple that I found on Amazon, honestly, but I didn't really like it, and it wasn't really like as functional as I thought. Like I would, I kind of wanted the carabiner because if if I was in a situation where if I needed to quickly unclip, you know, my keys and open the door, like I could do that, but I found it very cumbersome because like you know if the keys are jingling around, like you might have to move one key to move another to open something up, and it just always felt a bit. Extra, I always bring with me some chapstick, whether it's Burt's Bees or the original, just chapstick. You gotta have chapstick on you, it's very important for me. I have one in my pocket, in my right pocket, always. Like, I even try to leave the chapstick in the pocket so that I don't have to remember to put it in the pocket. So, I'll hang up my jeans or whatever I'm wearing, I'll just leave the chapstick in there, and I just have every pair of jeans with chapstick in there. A bit weird, but it's a part of my EDC. And then one of the bigger things that I make sure to bring with me 99% of the time, unless I'm going out to dinner or something like that, is I always bring a crossbody bag. And for me, my crossbody bag of choice is the Story MFG Star Scraps. I think it's just called the Star Scraps tote bag. And it's a crossbody. I think I like crossbodies more than just singular, like um, single shoulder bags, because the weight distribution on a crossbody, it doesn't hurt my shoulder after a prolonged use, because you got to understand, I'm walking 10,000, 15,000, 20,000 steps with a bag on my side, right, and so over time, that can cause, like, shoulder, neck problems, and you got to be careful, I mean, I'm starting to think about this more and more, but, like, having a good bag that distributes weight properly is really, really key, like, you might be young, and be like, yo, Drew, what are you talking about, but seriously, if you wear a bag all day, every single day, Um, you got to make sure that you switch the side, You got to make sure that it's balanced so your body doesn't have like a weird kind of half shoulder up, half shoulder down as you get older. Those are the things I think about when when it comes to fashion and functionality, but that is a huge part of my everyday carry. That bag also holds my water bottle, which is a vacuum insulated Mir 32 ounce water bottle, which I have lost and recovered probably a dozen times in New York City, where I put the water bottle down left it, and then had to come back to the spot that I was drinking the water at to remember remember and remind myself that, oh, hey, I have a water bottle, (laughs) even though it should just go right back in the bag. So, yeah, those. That's. I mean, that kind of. That kind of concludes my everyday carry. We have wallet, keys, bag, um, and then whatever I'm using for the bag. Like if I need extra bags because I'm grocery shopping, or if I need extra things in the bag, like a tripod, or if I'm creating content that day, my camera, whatever it is, I put those things in the bag, and it and it doubles as highly functional. So, but one of the things I don't like about the Storium FG bag, only thing I don't like is the fact that. The bag doesn't really close as securely as I would want to, especially in New York City. Um, obviously, in New York, it's a very busy city. A lot of things going on when you're going in the subway, when you're traveling around. It's a lot to try to focus on your bag and everything else. And for me, having a bag that closes up means that no one can look into, see into, uh, be a bit you know curious about what I'm wearing what I'm carrying inside that bag. And so recently I just picked up a bag uh, actually for kind of the Black Friday time frame of things cuz it was on sale by FrismWorks. I can't remember the exact name of the bag. There's a lot of a lot of names that I go through guys and sometimes like my my brain hasn't turned on to the name of things. Um, but I just know it was from FrismWorks. It's this black bag that's also crossbody, zips up to the top. Really really cool. It's made out of canvas, which I kind of would have preferred leather because it rains and snows in New York. And, you know, canvas, it's pretty good at kind of pushing water or wicking water away. But it does soak in. Another funny story. The first day I got this bag from Frizz and Works, I told Lauren I wanted to make a couple of videos. um, And so we went out. I put my water bottle in that bag, but I forgot to close the lid of my water bottle. So I just I filled up my full water bottle from the sink, put it in the bag, and started walking around New York City. And guess what happened? Water was everywhere inside the bag. Luckily, I just had the water bottle in the bag and not my camera gear. I brought a backpack for that because I just wanted a backpack. And luckily, I did that because I started feeling water going down my leg. I was like, it, it's, it's, it's raining outside, but it's not raining that hard. And then we look in the bag and there's just a swimming pool of water inside of this FrismWorks bag. And we had to dump it out, flip it inside out. And, you know, it's funny. The water actually did not leak through the bottom of the bag. It it, it started to, but, it, like, it wasn't very prominent. It was just a puddle of water inside the FrismWorks bag, which is hilarious. So if you carry bags, close up your water bottles. That's my EDC. Thank you for heating hiding Sorry if I mispronounced your name. Um, For asking that question, moving right along, the next question is What are your favorite pair of salvage denim jeans right now? And for me, my all time favorite pair are the first pair of Japanese salvage jeans that I picked up, which I picked up in Montreal at Essence. And that was a whole experience that I documented on YouTube as well. You can kind of see the progression of those jeans from YouTube to Instagram. But the jeans I'm referencing are the Yoji Yamamoto 5-Panel Japanese Selvage Wide Leg Jeans. And these are cool and special because, for one, I've always kind of been a... Not dark horse or in the closet, but I've always kind of liked Yoji Yamamoto. I've even, you know, before I started creating content, I had a pair of Y3 Adidas sneakers. I always thought Yoji just was an interesting designer and i haven't really i haven't really explored what he has to offer for menswear as an adult as much because a lot of times he's a he's a designer so like his designer price points are very very high but for these jeans they they also have a very high price point They were on sale for almost 80% off at the time at Essence during the summer of 2022. And I love these jeans because they have a straight wide fit. It's something that you don't often get with selvage denim. And the fabric's weight is such that it doesn't look weird or feel unnatural when walking in them. I believe they're 14 ounces. Um, I'm not sure where the denim is made by Yoji Yamamoto, if it's salvaged, but I'd assume it's made in the same kind of facilities as some of these other more touted Japanese denim brands. The only thing I don't like about the Yojis is the fact that, for one, you can't really find them anymore. Like, he made one run of these jeans, and they just they vanished from the internet. I haven't checked in a while, but I have not been able to find them, so good luck finding them if you... Do find them, you're probably not going to find them for the price that I did, which is it makes me a bit sad because I would love for everyone to have a pair of these jeans. But regardless, those are my top, like tip-tip-top pair of yogis or tip-tip-top pair of selvage denim. Then I would go with the Sugarcane Okinawas. Those are the pair that I've worn the absolute most. Those are the pair I like the most. And then recently from Blue and Green in Denver, I picked up the Oni Super Rough Secret Denim Straight Fit. And those are also really, really cool I love the way that those feel. Those are like 21 ounces, they don't feel like they're 21 ounces. I tried on a pair of Iron Hearts that were, you know, 25 ounces and those freaking feel like a coat of armor. So I like um things that don't feel as heavy as maybe they're advertised to be, but you can still kind of brag about how I'm wearing 21 ounces of freaking salvage denim. Like that's insane. But regardless, those would be my top 3. Yoji, Sugarcane, and then the um Oni, super secret rough. How long does it take for you or for me to decide on an outfit? So for me, it doesn't take too long, actually. Most days, it takes about 10 to 30 seconds to decide on an outfit. I would say that's just every single day. Like, I don't really think too hard about <clears throat> wearing a particular item or piece or whatever it is. I just wear what I typically wear, whatever I think is comfortable. If I'm in a groove, like, I'll just wear the same jeans and switch up my top um, and then throw a jacket on that I've been wearing if it's cold. Uh, if I'm going out to do something, that's when it takes a little bit more, like, thought. Like, if I'm going out to hang out with someone, if I'm going out to an event, or if I'm going out to dinner, or going out to see friends, or something of the sort, I'm like, Okay, how can I wear something that maybe is a little bit impressive, right? How can I wear something that maybe is like interesting visually, but also isn't too repetitive if I've hung out with this person again. So that takes maybe ten, fifteen minutes. Sometimes it could take even longer than that, like thirty, thirty minutes if I'm if I'm slacking on it. I, I'm not focused, but usually, you know, ten to thirty seconds. So we have a more specific question by Alex. And it says, are Doc Martens a good boot or do you recommend another boot that is better quality for the money? I think Doc Martens for the money is or are some of the best quality boots. And the reason why I say that is because there aren't a lot of boots that you can get secondhand, that you can get cheaper, that you can get um, under $100 that have such strong brand recognition, especially in 2023, 2024, like the Doc Martens. And that will they'll feel like you have a substantial item of clothing, right? Um, some boots, some items of clothing, like they are maybe comparable in price point. But from a qualitative feel standpoint, they're not going to feel as rugged or as durable, as good as Doc Martens. I think Doc Martin has really nailed and dialed in their approach when it comes to that entry level price point. But I think there's a caveat to Doc Martin boots, in my opinion, and this is just my experience. Other people have had other experiences. But for me, I've never had a pair of, of dog-waring boots, I'll be frank. But I've had their loafers. And um, the, just the leather quality on the, loather, on the loafer has never really impressed me, right? Like, when I put my foot in the loafer, I, I always experience pain. I always experience discomfort. I tried all the things when it comes to breaking them in. And I, I had them for you know months and months on end. And for me, like, I just... I thought that, you know, if I tried to be a tough guy and, and and work through the pain, like I would experience some kind of euphoria and bliss on the other side, but I just never did. And there's so many other products that if you just go up fifty dollars in price, you can find something that is maybe more enjoyable. Great example, in my opinion, is something for loafers like G H Bass, right? I think that they create a better variant of loafer that just doesn't have the same pain level as the Dog Martins. Um, especially if you compare them apples to oranges. Right? So I don't know. I don't know if you're gonna find a better I mean you you of course there's probably are there probably are better boots for the price. Like Solovair is a great example of a boot company that's comparable in price, but um supposed to be better, right? So, I don't know. It's tough to say. I'm kind of doing this off the cuff, Alex, and maybe one day I'll kind of do a long form more research video on it. But for right now, I think if you want to go with Doc Martens as an entry-level boot, go with Doc Martens. I don't think you'll be disappointed. You might have a different experience than mine in which your feet um, aren't in pain majority of the time. And maybe the boots aren't as painful as the loafers because with loafers, they kind of rub against your ankle and boots sit a bit higher. So, don't know. But that's my kind of answer to that question. Tony asked me thoughts on collaboration sneakers from where they were five years ago today. I think collabs are in a fantastic spot when it comes to sneaker collaborations. To me, I think the last couple of years, ever since the pandemic, we've been in the best sneaker market that we've ever, ever been in because prices for sneakers on resale have gone down. You have a ton, a ton Of different collaborations going on that uh, vary from brands like New Balance, Nike, and Adidas to Saucony, Solomon, and Hoka. There's just so much available to an individual who likes footwear, especially more streetwear, more sneaker focused footwear than ever before. And as a consumer, that's fantastic. Having limited footwear having limited access to sneakers is not as fun as a consumer there's a lot of complaining that goes on there's a lot of he has it but I don't have it then there's a lot of bootlegging that goes on because of a result and I think we're kind of also in that moment where things are still being bootlegged but I think we're kind of falling away from ultra hyper hyper hype hyper limited items of footwear and now that there are so many collaborations that You know, people can have a taste of so many different types of creativity, um, especially working with a lot of these bigger brands, which I think is really, really cool. I will play devil's advocate, though, and say that on the flip side of there being so many collaborations is that every collaboration that is done or that does get pushed out, it kind of makes collaborations as a whole less exciting as a whole, right? Like, the more there is of something, the less kind of... uh, the less kind of wait I'm gonna find my word, I'm gonna find my word. what's the word I'm looking for? The more you do it, the less special it is. That's what I'll kind of boil it down to. doesn't mean that collaborations are better or worse, but just the more you see the sunset, the more you uh have that particular thing the more or the less, excuse me, that it becomes like a very special moment because you just do it so much, right? So I don't know. There's that aspect of collaborations as well. Someone asked, what is the best puffer jacket in the $450 USD budget range? I'm going to just tell you this. I think that the best kind of the one that I'm going with for this fall winter, I'm going to go with the North Face Nupsy puffer jacket. That's the one I would say. It's under $450. I think it's like $330. So you save yourself a little bit of money and you can buy yourself a nice pair of boots with it. So there you go. What is the most expensive item or piece in your closet? Now, looking at my closet, looking at my wardrobe, I don't usually buy things based on the fact that they are One's expensive, or it's the more expensive it is, the more valuable it is from a style standpoint. You can style things that are not very expensive uh, to be better than very, very expensive things. But since you asked the question, the most expensive piece in my closet is a Story MFG Star Scraps Worf jacket, which is made out of recycled Star Scraps and natural dyed fabric from Story MFG. It's a really, really stunningly beautiful jacket. If you've ever seen my intros on YouTube. I had an artist create a kind of illustration cartoon of me in that jacket, but it's kind of like red, orange, yellow, greens, that kind of thing. That piece is the most expensive piece and it retails for doesn't retail for I'm not gonna say the price actually. It retails for a lot, okay? It it's not the cheapest. Item. <laughs> so favorite musical artist or album. I just got finished or just got my Spotify wrapped back, which this is a great question. For a long time I was an Apple pie or Apple Music listener. I used Apple Music for all of my music and last year I finally got Spotify and I got Spotify because my girlfriend had Spotify, her fam had Spotify, and all the people who, well, like not all the people, but a good chunk of the people uh, I spent time with had Spotify. So I'll give you my top artist, okay? Top artist, number one is Drake. Number two is Men I Trust. Number three is J. Cole. Number four is Tyler, the Creator. And number five is 21 Savage. That's my Spotify wrapped. My top songs were Broke Boys, Count Me Out, uh... Everything that, I don't even know, the song cuts off. We have Close and we have Spin About You. So I'm a pretty heavy Drake listener. I'll just, I'll put that out there. I don't really care to say anything like uh, cliche or whatever it may be. Like, I I, I like listening to Drake. I just do, right? Like, it's just, I enjoy, I enjoy Drake. So, um, but also, you know, I've been listening to a lot of men I trust as well. And I in terms of favorite albums, like, I've actually really enjoyed um, For All the Dog," "For All the Dogs. I don't know why I hesitated. <laughs> I've been enjoying Drake's new album, For All the Dogs. I'm a big Drake guy. Um, never been to his concert. Never really want to go to his concert, but just been enjoying that. And, yeah, that's kind of my music taste, if you were curious. Music is one of the things that, for whatever reason, I don't really speak about on a high level. Like, like I can't really explain and I haven't maybe I just need to explore this part of my uh, creativity and my interests more. But like I can't really explain what it is about certain artists, music or things like I, I also listen to a lot of like oldies but goodies. Like I listen to a lot of old music as well, whether that be like like Frank Sinatra or Miles Davis or uh, I'll Be Sure or just, just old like old like things my parents would show me from their generation that they would listen to. Um, But I also still listen to a lot of like Drake, obviously. So, yeah, um, music is so, so good. I love music. Music is one of the things that helps me get through so many days. And I probably can say the same. You probably can say the same for your life, too. If music is, is a big part of all of our experiences here on the globe. Places that you'd like to visit to travel in 2024, a top five, if you will. Okay, let's see. Let's see. So right now, I am in an undisclosed area of the world, a uh, new country, which I feel very, very fortunate enough to travel to see a new country. Let's rattle off a few. I think number one, I would love to visit the country of Switzerland. Switzerland, for me, is a top country I'd love to visit. My girlfriend's family is from Switzerland. I've always wanted to visit that country, I've heard a lot about it. Obviously, it's a very famous country. It's very clean. It's very expensive as well. It's very beautiful. So um, Switzerland's up there. Number two, Japan. I mean, I've never been to Japan, guys. I've never been to Japan, even though I am inundated and in love and infatuated with Japanese culture and and everything that that offers. I would love to go to Japan. Um, South Africa. Never been to the continent of Africa. So I would love to start with South Africa experience, uh, Johannesburg, and Cape Town. Please let both of those cities be in South Africa. If I'm wrong about that, you can come for me, but uh, I think they are. Um, So we have those three. And then I would also say I've never been to the UK, the United Kingdom, London. That's a place that is very interesting to me. I would love to go, love to visit that country. Um and London in particular. And then last, I would probably say it's a tie between Belgium and South Korea. Don't know why. Like they're a tie. South Korea is probably a more famous kind of destination, like more exciting destination, I guess. But for all the people who are living in Belgium listening to this, they're like, Whoa, what are you talking about? No, I w- I would love to go to Belgium as well. And there's I mean a part of me would love to visit every country in the world because, um, I don't know, once you start traveling, you, you start to see that people are really just people everywhere and you kind of just want to experience their culture and you learn so much about yourself and the world and how, you know, history and conflicts and, and peace and progress, all these things are learned through traveling. Um, and it's a really privileged thing to get the opportunity to do, I'll say that. Uh, it's also a privilege of the era we're living in in humanity because i mean if you just go back a hundred years ago people just did not have the opportunity to travel across the world and now cultures families civilians citizens are all connected in this kind of global world that we live in which is cool next question is what makes someone stylish and i think for me style comes down to more so than the clothing that you wear, it comes down to how you carry yourself and the small details that either you make obvious or make subtle within your outfit, right? I think, you know, and also I would say that it's important to have proper fitting clothes, right? If your clothes fit you properly and you have small details that are either obvious or subtle in the outfit, and then you carry yourself with confidence, to me, Even if you're wearing a t-shirt and pants or a t-shirt and shorts, I'm going to perceive you as stylish, right? Also, we all have a bit of bias in terms of what we like and what we don't like. There could be certain pieces that someone wears that, for me, I'm like, this person, is. I can see them as stylish, but they're not going to be as stylish as another example of something that I like. And a lot of times, we're a bit selfish and a bit kind of one-sided when it comes to this. Like, at least I am, in the sense that, like, I like seeing fashion and outfits that um i'm a fan of right so like i of the the things that i'm a fan of so if i see someone wearing japanese denim if i see someone wearing a particular type of like layered piece if i see in women's wear if i see like a particular silhouette if i see a particular type of footwear being worn like i'm gonna be like yo that's fire versus maybe there's other elements of things i'm like this is stylish i can recognize it as stylish but to me like what goes above maybe one genre or another is what i like right? And I'm not going to say what those things are, because obviously, like, I want everyone to enjoy and wear the things that they enjoy, but we all have kind of our personal things and interests that pull us towards one direction over another. Next perfect kind of segue into this next question is, how do you feel about your style right now? For me, I think my style is in a good spot. I'm happy with my style. Um Of course, I'm in, in six months from now, I'm going to look back and say, damn, my style is not it six months ago. When we get to June 2024, I'm gonna be like, yo, I don't know what I was doing late 2023. Like, that was not it. And It's a thing that always evolves. As a human being, as a person, I'm always changing. My interests are always growing. I'm going to be 26 heading into 27. And, you know, there's going to be things that are I think are more important in 2024 than I do than I did in 2023. And I think that's important. Every human being has an evolution of thoughts, minds, feelings, and character, So that's going to reflect in my personal style. But right now, I feel pretty good about it. There are some things that I would love to improve. I would love to really dial in what it means to dress well for myself, which is being able to have a lot of really tastefully orchestrated pieces that are layered properly, especially in the winter. A lot of staple pieces that just look really, really clean and classy. And even if I'm not trying, the, the fits can look really good because of the fact that I have um, a very high level of understanding of what it means to be and look stylish. And as things evolve and change in 2024, when it comes to trends, popular opinion, all of those things, I think it'll be reflected in how my style will evolve as well. So, but I feel good. I think it's important to feel good, but always be a little bit hungry for change and hungry for more. All right. So we have five more questions left. Thank you guys for kind of being here with me, listening in. Um, it's been fun. I haven't done a Q&A in a minute, and this one's been exciting to kind of just kind of go through my thought process on things. Question I got asked was what has been something you took from basketball, or took, oh my gosh, can I read? I'm going to restart that. What has been something you took with you to your professional life from basketball? And they added a part two that is not work ethic. Hmm. I'll say this. I think there are two things that I think about a lot, even still to this day. Every time I pick up a basketball, I think about these things because the memories and the the. The moments of my life flood back into my brain. But the first one is um, dealing with failure. In basketball and sports, you fail so much. I, I mean, I remember times when I was playing, guys, whether it was I was a middle school or high school or college athlete, where after I would perform and I knew I did not perform up to standards. I just felt like crying like no other. I'm serious. I felt like just bawling out, like so angry, so upset at myself for not stepping up to the plate and stepping up to the moment. And those are things that happen just all the time in sports and basketball where you get so upset because you didn't do the thing that you wanted to do. You didn't make the shot. You didn't make the play. You didn't do it. And, you know, when you translate that out of sports and you, you, grow, you're, you know, grow from that and now you're in a professional setting, on YouTube and social media, like I failed just as much, just as much. But what's crazy is that in the moment of when I was playing basketball, when I played basketball, like the failure seemed bigger than it does when a video flops or when um, I post something and it doesn't do as well, or when I try something and it just doesn't work, that failure doesn't suck as much as when I was playing basketball. And I put everything out there. I put my entire Energy out there, and then I failed. So I, in a way, like the failures of basketball prepared me for the failures of life, um much better than anything else. And I don't know why, but that's just something that I definitely took away from from the game. And the second thing that I took away from sports and basketball in general is just comparison. Right? Uh A lot of times we say, and I saw, and look like, at. I don't know if you guys know Kizzy. I follow him on Twitter. I follow him everywhere, but he just tweeted something that says, comparison is a thief of joy. And we've all heard that quote before, comparison is a thief of joy. When you play sports, it's about competition. And competition is naturally at its core about comparison. Are we going to pick this guy or this guy? Are we going to go with him or him or her or her, right? That's what sports is all about. And so it's just another thing that I took from the game where, you know, there were moments where, damn, I felt like I performed better than this player, and I still didn't get the opportunity. In fact, there were moments where I know I performed better than this player, and I still didn't get the opportunity I felt like I deserved. And that kind of burned me up on the inside, right? That, that made me upset and put a little bit of fire and a little bit of not revenge, but like a little bit of like vengeance in how I move through the world and how I tell myself that I'll never live my life without leaving no stone unturned if I'm, trying, if I'm trying to do something, right? So like one of the things that really helped me um, move through uh, kind of like a weight loss journey that I went through over the course of 2022, moving into 2023 is that like I would always reference moments when I played basketball, when working out. So I could get the physique that I wanted to wear the clothes that I feel like that fit me in a a particular type of way, like those kind of things. Like maybe it's a bit of an unhealthy approach to things, but regardless, um, those moments, those memories helped fuel me to uh, change my life. And so... I am very, very thankful for going through those things, going through those hardships, even though they weren't true hardships, they weren't like, you know, what some people are experiencing in the world right now. I feel very thankful that I went through those athletic hardships so that in my professional life, when the hardships come, which they always do come, I can handle them and know that I've made it through these things that were even tougher in sports that I can make it through in life as well. Any other passions besides fashion is the next question. And, yeah, I have a lot of passions other than fashion. Um, One of the things, I mean, I tell people, not tell people, but one of the things I think about is, like, I love basketball. I grew up playing basketball. You would look at me and say, this guy is an athlete. But in reality, like, I'm a nerd. Like, I am a freaking nerd. And my girlfriend and I, we joke about this all the time. And the thing that I nerd out, the things that I nerd out about is, you know, a lot of teenage and young men nerd out about these things too, but video games, I love video games, I haven't played as much recently, I love me some video games, I love me some Pokemon, Uh, I love Call of Duty, Halo, Rainbow Six Siege, like Fortnite, all the games, I love, I love love video games, I love every single video game, I'm not going to lie to you, except for like horror video games maybe, maybe maybe there are probably a few that i like i in fact i like um friday the 13th that's that's a fun game where like you play as jason um and you get people but video games is a big one i love anime i love manga I, I read i used to i used to read a lot more but i've been so busy just working on my kind of craft but i i love those kind of things um other things that i enjoy doing traveling um, when I can, I travel, I experience the world, I learn new cultures, learn new things. So those are like some of my additional passions. Next two questions are more content related. And hopefully I can give you guys a little bit of insight into what it means to be a creator in 2024, 2023, uh, uh, in their 20s, someone who's creating content. I don't know why I said that like that, but you get the point. First question. Do, yourself, do you see yourself doing content creation for a long time? I'll answer that and I'll make it quick, relatively quick. I would say yes. I would love to do content for a very long time, as long as I possibly can. It's so fulfilling being able to tell your story, help people in the process, make evergreen videos that last forever so that your kids kids will be able to see what you were like i love so many different aspects of content and for me also i love being able to spread a positive message to the world when there's a lot of things and a lot of people who don't spread positive messages i try my best to do spread a positive message i try my best to let fashion be the vehicle for a positive message and i i really enjoy it and i hope to do it as long as i possibly can Next, from the same person, had your perception of New York changed since moving? What things surprised you? So that's like a two-part question. Had my Has my perception changed? I would say that, yes, my perception has changed a bit of New York. Um, it's weird to say, but you know, when you travel to New York uh, for a short amount of time, you do a lot of the touristy things first, and I traveled more times, and I did more kind of nuanced, very specialized things. But living in New York, you begin to see why it's considered one of the greatest cities in the world. That's that's what I've gained, right? Like, I always thought New York was awesome, but now I see it as just a place that's incredibly, incredibly diversely awesome for tons of reasons, from its public transportation system. I mean, you guys got to understand, like, people might, you might complain about public transit in New York, but go to any other state, go to, go west of the Mississippi, and you'll see how poor public transit is in the u.s in my home state colorado it is basically a negative public transit like it's it's there's nothing positive about it right there's nothing positive the best thing i had about public transit in colorado is that when i went to school when i was at university of denver we would get a free rtd pass and the light rail would take us from where we were in denver to downtown denver and it was about i want to say like four or five stops and you could get on get off at Union Station and walk around downtown Denver. But you had to be a college kid on campus. It was it was horrible. It was horrible. Um that's the only time I ever used it, right? So you gotta understand that. Um public transit's awesome. The diversity of people, amazing. You see people from, you know, Tajikistan and and you see people from uh India, and uh, Turkmenistan, and Africa, places in Africa, Sud- I mean, just everywhere. You experience so many different types of people that I think it's beautiful. It's, it's a true melting pot of cultures. Italy, Polish, German, um, so many different. Swiss, America, like, it's just so much, so much. And then if you go to, you know, you go to the Harlem's and the Bronxes of the world, like, you, there's so much like rich black culture as well of people doing really beautiful things i love new york city man i truly i have nothing i mean there are bad things there's rodents there's smells but like for me like the i guess i have the fog the the rose tinted glasses on still i still i think new york is awesome and the fashion it's just everything about it it's just beautiful it's a beautiful freaking place man the best parks in the world the most history the most appreciation for landscape, the most appreciation for architecture, art, just everything about it, man. Just everything. What has surprised me, if there's anything that surprised me, what surprised me is at times, not all the times. Some people aren't the best, but at times how kind people are. I've had several conversations with random Older, younger people at Central Park by myself and just had some of the most beautiful, most enjoyable conversations that I've ever had in my life. That's what surprised me. It's how kind. If you open yourself up to people, people will open themselves up to you. If you're kind, they will be kind back to you. That's been my experience in New York. Last two. Do you ever have imposter syndrome? Shout out to Laura for asking me this question. Been a longtime friend of Laura. Um, imposter syndrome is I think, okay, let me backtrack. I think imposter syndrome is something that once you enter into a certain level, and I'm not saying I'm at this level, but I've had an opportunity to like be in rooms with like executives and just crazy people, like celebrities, like just crazy stuff. And I think everyone feels a bit of imposter syndrome. It's just True. Like, you, sometimes you you go from and this is my experience. I went from literally filming videos in my room in Colorado to like being able to to sit with Pokeman. Like, and and so like when you have a moment like that, or like being able to like sit with like the ex- head executive at Dyson, like just crazy stuff. Um, being, when you have moments like that, um, of course you feel a bit of imposter syndrome, but. You know, one of the things, another things I've learned from life in basketball is that you just you just don't let it show, right? Like you 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 act as though that, you know, it's another day, it's another walk in the park. And I think that the fact that I played Division One basketball, the fact that I had some pretty crazy moments when playing Division One were from meeting Chauncey Billups to meeting Steph Curry and Kevin Durant and Having a lot of NBA type players come to our gym and play Trey Young and practice and things like that. Those moments kind of helped prepare me for the moments where I met bigger personalities in fashion and in social media and in content creation. And what comes down to it is that everyone's just a human being at the end of the day. So, and if you realize that everyone's just a person, you just realize that, like, you know, everyone has fears, hopes, wishes. You can kind of just work on their more human side than versus building them up to be this big person that has all of that has, that has done all these very successful things, right? For the final question of the QA, Aldrin asks, what are you most grateful for this year so far? And I love the fact that this question was asked. I love ending on a note of gratitude because I just posted on my story gratitude one of my favorite words, one of my favorite thoughts is just to be in a thought process of gratitude. But for me, there are three things that stand out to me is like what I am most grateful for. The number one thing I have to start with is my family and my like the people I I love and care about my mom, my dad, my girlfriend, um, my family, those people are always going to be what I'm most grateful for. Because without them, none of my life none of the enjoyment of my life would be there because i would have no one to share it with so i think my mom my dad i'm grateful for them and i'm super grateful for lauren as well who through the last five years of dating each other five years has been crazy um She's always been someone who's been a rock for me, always believed in me, always helped me, always been there for me. Can't thank her enough. Love her for that. Um, and, and It means a lot to me. I would also say the second thing I'm most grateful for is the audience. The fact that there are so many wonderful people who tune in, who listen. You guys who are listening right now, I cannot thank you and be more grateful enough for you, your kindness towards me the way that I've tried to instill kindness and gentleness and education in the content, and you've probably gone out and shared it with people that you care about or you've used it for gentleness or kindness or positivity in your life. Like I'm grateful that that is a part of my human experience, and I'm grateful for you to just tune in and care and just want to listen to the things that I have to say. I, I just can't I can't be more grateful for that. Um, and then last, I would say I'm grateful for all of the creators, other creators, from Alexandra Massey to Charles Adaroma to Jeffrey Trabajan to um, Owen Hyatt, so many different people. Ray Mia, Devontae Ivory, so many folks who inspire me um, to do what I do, who create beautiful works of art, create beautiful clothing, and just do a fantastic job of making the world more beautiful in whatever way that they possibly can. So those are the three things I'm grateful for this year. I probably could change those things out for every year of my life from 26 to 106. But for right now, we'll just keep it like that. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this week's episode. I didn't know I could talk by myself for 57 minutes. Damn, Drew, that's a long time. That is a long freaking time. But hopefully you guys enjoyed it. I enjoyed giving you guys a bit of insight into my life. We'll do another Q and A of some sort, more focused on content creation and what it means to be a creator and the kind of secrets that I have. And if you have questions about that or want to, want, the, want to see that sooner rather than later, make sure to leave a five star review. Um, and I'll see that on Spotify or Apple or whatever whatever podcast platform you leave five star reviews on. Google, I'll see them all. So. All right, guys, as always, I'm spreading peace, love, and positivity in 2023. So that means I'm spreading peace, love, and positivity to you from me. Wherever you are in the world, have a wonderful rest of your day. A Peace.